Well, this morning we're going to return to 1 Corinthians and we're going to finish the message that we just started last week. So bear with us this morning because we're going to rehearse a little bit of some of the things that are important for us to build upon this week. But if you have your Bibles, why don't you open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 again. And uh, we're going to unpack some things in here that we did not unpack completely uh, last week. And we believe this is critical to the foundation that we're laying to this sermon series that we're entering into. And I think you'll understand why by the time uh, we finish today. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and here's what it says. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and other, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Paul presents this idea in this passage of a Christian who is carnal and a Christian who is spiritual. And I want to make that distinction because this message in that way applies to all of us. Yes. Because last week we established if we're not in Christ, certainly we are carnal. But if we are in Christ, we can still be carnal. That word carnal means of the flesh or fleshly is what that word means. And last week what we learned is that the church at Corinth had a serious spiritual problem. Hard to overemphasize that word serious. It was really wrecking havoc in the church. It was causing division in the church. There were sins in the church that would, were not even named among the Gentiles, and they were proud about it. Mm. They had a serious problem going on in the church, a serious spiritual problem, and Paul called the problem in these verses carnal. He says it four times in four verses, and he asked the question, are you not carnal? Well, we saw last week how Paul discerned that they were carnal. And there were at least four different things that Paul saw in the church that let him know that they were in this carnal spiritual condition. First of all, they were in a state of uh, lingering spiritual empathy. They weren't growing up. They weren't maturing like they should have. And it's interesting because they had only been organized as a church for about three to four years. Paul mm -hmm. founded the church just three or four years before this happened. But he was definitely expecting them to mature and grow, uh, and they weren't. They were just lingering as spiritual infants. Last week we saw that picture of that infant. And, you know, if you looked at an infant that was six months old and you saw a picture of an infant that was six months old, you'd say, that is such a cute baby. But if that same child had the same appearance but was five or six years old, you would look at that child and perhaps say, well, that is a cute child, but there is something wrong with that child's development. We need to help this child receive what they need to grow up. There's something going on. And Paul was noticing that, this lingering spiritual infancy. And so, you know, it's okay for an infant to, you would expect an infant to be 
fleshly, to be carnal, to be self-centered. You know, right. is that what you would expect from an infant? Yeah. But you wouldn't expect it from someone who'd been in the faith and was growing and maturing. Another characteristic that let Paul know that they were carnal was that they were under the control of the flesh mm. and its desires. Now, the scripture is very clear that the, the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh wars against the spirit. And that's true for all of us as believers. But what was happening in the church is that there were certain sins that were prevalent in the church that let Paul know that they were still under the control, under the power of the flesh. Mm. And that's what the word carnal means. It means fleshly. And, uh, and so that the affections of their mind were set still upon the things of this world, which once again you would expect from an infant, but not from someone who'd grown in, 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 in the faith. And as a result, because their affections of their mind were still set upon the things of this world, they were being defeated. Mm -hmm. They were being defeated by sin in their life. They were still living in sins. that uh, And this sin, which it always does, you know, uh, what's the number one cause of divorce in America? Sin is what causes divorce in America. Sin is what causes division, whether it's in the family or in churches. And that's what the church was experiencing. They yeah. were experiencing this incredible division. And then the other thing that he could see was that all he could feed them was milk. They were unable to receive that which was needed to become mature disciples of Christ. And, and as a result, they weren't able to reproduce mature disciples of Christ because you tend to reproduce when you're discipling other people that are where you are in your own spiritual development. Right. And so there's, uh, we have one more. Go ahead and put that on the screen. So these are the four that Paul could see. And these were the signs that the church at Corinth was carnal. These believers were carnal. They were of the flesh. And he, he was talking to them and he told them that he longed to give them the meat. Yeah. He wanted the, to give them the meat of God's word. Those deeper truths and that are harder to digest, but those deeper truths that would help them grow into the image of Christ. But up to this point, he could only give them milk. Let me show you right here in 2 Corinthians 3.2. This is what Paul told the church at Corinth. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. And that's where he says, are you not carnal? So what is the milk of God's word? And what is the meat of God's word? Paul identifies both these things in this passage. Yes, he talks about the milk. He talks about the meat. And so there's another letter in the New Testament that confronts the same problem that existed in uh, the church of Corinth. But it's in another letter that addresses another group of believers. It's a letter to the Hebrew Christians that were scattered through the various regions and cities. So listen for uh, what the milk is in this particular letter to the Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid Food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised 
to discern both good and evil. And then in Hebrews 6, he gives a list of those elementary principles or those first oracles of God that are considered the milk. Listen to what he said in Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So in the letter to the Hebrews, Paul expounds on this idea of milk. And he tells the church more clearly, what's the milk? Did you get it? Did you pick it up? What is the milk? The milk is the elementary principles of Christ that are found in these passages in Hebrews, especially these listed in Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. And so Second uh, Peter tells us a little bit of something about the milk. You know, the tendency when you think about elementary principles might be to think the lesser principles. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong way to think. Right. They're important. They're foundational to our faith. We need the milk. I mean, don't infants need milk yeah. in order to grow up and mature? So the milk is positive. It's not negative. It's simply that we need to move past the milk and to the meat. So let me show you in Second Peter 2. Two through three, Peter says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. The milk is valuable. The milk is necessary that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So we need the milk. We need that nutrition. And if the milk is those elementary principles, those foundational doctrinal principles that are vital to the early development of a follower of Jesus, then the next question we need to ask if if the milk is good, but we're supposed to move past it is, what's the meat? What's the meat? Well, we don't really have a list of the meat in the New Testament. We got that list of the milk, but I think we can discern what the meat is from the things that were said and then also the context that these things are being written. Uh, The meat is those more difficult principles of God's word, they are harder words from God. They're harder to chew. Mm -hmm. They are harder to digest. They're harder to swallow. They're harder to obey. And so why are these meat truths harder to digest? Well, they're very difficult to digest because these truths are counter to our fleshly desires. Yeah. The meat is just counter to our fleshly desires. What the meat is and what I typically feel in my flesh are not the same. Yeah, yeah, it creates a conflict when I hear these difficult teachings and sayings from the Word of God, Mm -hmm. a conflict within me. And then these truths are more difficult because they're counter to our minds. Mm -hmm. You know, when you first hear some of these truths in God's Word that are more difficult, it's it's like, now that can't be right. You know, that doesn't seem reasonable to me. Yeah. You know, and uh, but God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Right. His logic is pure logic. Yes. Our logic is perverted logic. Fallen. It's logic. fallen logic. And so, but when we hear these truths, it, it conflicts our minds. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not only that, but it also is counter to our culture. Yeah. These deeper truths are always challenging us uh, to take a stand within our culture, that our culture is so far away from these truths. And uh, so the, the meat is those more difficult sayings of Jesus and the apostles about the will of God for our lives. I mean, it's great, those, that milk truth 
about, you know, knowing that I'm saved by the blood of Jesus and yeah. I've been saved from the judgment of God and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Truth? Oh, yeah. man, that's foundational. Yeah. And we delight it and we sing about it all of the time and we should continue to do that. But God wants us to be spiritual. Mm -hmm. He wants us to receive these other truths that will help us mature. You know, the nutrition of milk alone is not enough to help us mature spiritually. We need the meat of God's Word in order to grow in Christ. And this is what happens for a Christian who is willing to move past being carnal, yeah. And to be get, become spiritually minded, they move from the milk to the meat that helps them grow. And do you know what happens when you do that? You become more like Jesus. That's the end result of receiving these, the, the truths that are meat is you become more like him. I mean, when you hear something in the media, when you hear something in the news, when the answer to that is countercultural, when the answer to that doesn't agree with your non-believing friends, that's a difficult thing for us to process. But when we stand on that truth and we learn to swallow the meat and, and to ask God, even as you were encouraging us this morning, God, what do, you want us to, uh, to, what do you want to say about these things going on in our life? And we listen to the Lord and we listen to him through his word and we receive that meat. It makes us more like Jesus. It grows us up in our faith. I mean, there's passages all over the New Testament about God's goal being that we would become more like Jesus. Let me show you one in Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There it is. To make you more like Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the meat are those truths that help us become more like Jesus and that help us help others become more like him. So here's God and he has this truth that he wants to impart to us as followers of Jesus, but what keeps him and from giving us that truth, uh, and what keeps us from receiving it? Mm -hmm. Well, Paul just said, well, you're carnal. Yeah, that's you the know, issue. Is what he said, you're carnal, you're, you're, you're fleshly. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able, for you're still carnal. And if they could not eat the meat of God's word, these more difficult truths to swallow. They, they, they weren't going to grow. They weren't going to mature. They, and, and so what we want to answer this morning that we didn't get to last week, we touched on it last week, we want to answer the question, well, how do you change? How do you change? If, if the Lord has shown you that you're in a carnal condition <laughs> and it's hindering your spiritual growth, how do, you, how do you change from being carnal to being spiritual? What needs to happen? Well, there's four things we want to share with you this morning. If you're taking notes, this would be a great place uh, for you to take notes of these four things. These are the things that must happen in order for you to move from being carnal to being spiritual. And the first one is that you must confess that you are carnal. And that happened last week. There were a number of people that just came forward and what they said was, I'm carnal. Yeah. They I mean, was, they acknowledged it. They were acknowledging that what generally characterized them were the appetites of the flesh. Yeah. The thoughts that they had that came from how they felt rather than what generally characterizing them being 
what God was saying and who God said they were and what God was saying about them. And so you recognize that you're carnal. You have to confess it. So again, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, let the word of God wash over your soul as you listen to Paul. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as unto carnal. Paul was trying to get them to recognize it. Would you recognize this in you as babes in Christ? You've been a Christian a long time. But I'm still speaking to you as a babe in Christ. I fed you with the milk and not with solid food. Oh, I wanted to feed you with solid food. For unto now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. He tells them. He wants them to acknowledge it. For where there is envy and strife and divisions. These signs that we've been talking about. Are you not carnal? And behaving like mere men. The first conviction of the Holy Spirit that a person experiences is the conviction of condemnation. It's, yeah. the, it's the conviction of sin and of righteousness and judgment. That's what, that's what the Word of God says. Jesus promised that when he sent the Spirit into the world, the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And before you can become a Christian, you have to recognize that you're a sinner, right? That there's a problem that separates you from God. You have to understand that condition that you are in so that you can be reconciled to God by understanding what God has done for you to make it possible for you to be reconciled with him. We need this conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to call this the first conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's that initial one that God brings into our life. When a person responds to the Holy Spirit's conviction of sin and they trust in Jesus, they become a Christian. Mm -hmm. They become a follower of Christ, born again of the Spirit of God. Well, once you respond to this first conviction, there is a second conviction of the Holy Spirit that he wants to bring into your life. Um, it's a conviction that is for Christians. It's a conviction for you if you've already become a new person in Jesus. And this conviction, the second conviction, should not be confused with the first one. Right. The first conviction is of sin and righteousness and judgment. Through that first conviction, you escape the sin, righteousness, and judgment of God. But the, the second one is a conviction that you are carnal. Hmm. When you're already born again, you're already a Christian... God wants to bring a conviction in your life to say, you know what? I'm carnal in my thinking. I'm carnal in my behavior. I'm of the flesh. I'm not acting spiritual. I am acting carnal. And this is very normal. I mean, it's very normal for all of us as believers. We don't really realize how fleshly we are when we first are converted. We have, uh, obviously, we have some revelation of that truth or we wouldn't be saved. And we may know that we're spiritually bankrupt. But we really don't understand the problems that our flesh poses for us yeah. when we first get saved. I'm, I'm really, uh, you introduced this a couple weeks ago uh, to me, and yeah. we started talking about spiritual and carnal. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed by how much I've realized how carnal I am, how easy it is for me to shift into being carnally minded. I mean, when my alarm goes off and I decide to sleep another 30, 45 minutes, and I knew the night before that I needed to set my alarm there, Am I not carnal? Or when the, my appetite of, for food is controlling my decision-making so that I overspend my budget, or, you know, I eat junk food that I know that I need to not be eating right now, am I not carnal? And I just keep recognizing these things, how easy it is for us as Christians to be carnal. And what was going on in the church at Corinth is they were stuck. Yeah. They were stuck in their carnality. 
It was, they, yeah. It and was he was making aware of it now. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, this is one of the strongest confrontational words we have in the New Testament. Yeah. Of a church, you know, that they're carnal. So he's trying to awaken them to their need. And the first thing they had to do was acknowledge it or confess it. And we don't want you to confuse this, the first conviction with the second one. There's right. times where I've preached on carnality in the last 50 years, and someone will come down and say, I don't think I'm saved. Yeah. And so I'll go through the plan of salvation with them, and they'll check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And what they're confusing uh, is, what they're confusing is uh, carnality, their spiritual condition, with their need for Christ that they experience at the beginning of their spiritual walk. For the forgiveness of sins and to escape the Absolutely. judgment of God. Yeah. And so, so many people get this confused, and we don't want you to be confused about this, and that's why we presented it in this way. This is just the way the Holy Spirit works. Yeah, and it may be that a person, the reason they are carnal is because they don't know Jesus. Yes. But that's not the same thing as being a Christian who is carnal, and we want to keep those separate. So Paul wanted them to confess, and so he asked the question, are you not carnal? I mean, that's a rhetorical question. He knows the answer to the question, but then he listed their sin (laughs) <laughs> he wanted to give them the evidence yeah. that they're carnal. And he told them even what the consequences of their sin was for themselves personally and also in the church. And so he was just doing his part to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to convict the church at Corinth of its carnal condition. Mm-hmm. And because he knew before they could change, the first thing that they had to do is they had to agree mm-hmm. if they said no i'm not carnal you know i'm spiritual yeah you know they but they were change. carnal they weren't going to change they weren't going to benefit from this strong word that paul was giving them unless they agreed mm-hmm. and so to confess just means to bring your condition into the light yeah. is what that means yeah that's what so they needed to agree with god about this condition so the first point is to change from being carnal to being spiritual, you must confess that you're carnal. That's where it begins. Humility is where it starts. Well, once you confess, you say, I am carnal. I see that in my life. I recognize it. Well, what's the next thing you need to do? Well, the next thing you need to do has to do with what you believe. It has to do with your faith. You must believe that becoming spiritual is possible, that you don't have to be a carnal person, that that's not what must define you, that it is possible for you to move from being carnal to being spiritual. Paul expressed his confidence that the church at Corinth could change from being carnal believers to becoming spiritual believers. And he expressed this in several different ways. He told them that they had the mind of Christ. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 2.16, that you have the mind of Christ. He was letting them know, you don't have to stay carnal. This is who you are in Christ. And then he said, he told them that their bodies were members of Christ. How significant hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. The change in an identity. I am not my own. My body is a member of Christ. Hmm. I don't have to be carnal. I can be spiritual. He told them that they were the temple of of the Holy Spirit. That was significant to these Christians. Jews and Gentiles alike worshiping in Corinth, they understood temple worship. They understood what the significance of deity in their presence and to be told, you are the hot spot of God's presence on the earth. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. 
He was telling them that you can believe that you don't have to stay carnal. You can become a spiritually minded Christian. And then he told them that they had been endowed with incredible spiritual blessings. And all these things meant that it was possible. It was possible for them to move from being carnally minded to being spiritually minded. And I want you to know, church, that these realities about the church at Corinth are the reality for each one of you if you are in Christ. It is possible for you to move from being carnally minded to being spiritually minded, but you have to believe what God has said about these truths. Yeah, you got to believe that it's possible. And if you don't believe that it's possible, uh, even though you may confess that you're carnal, you're not going to experience the power of God in you unless you exercise faith in the promises of God that are here. And I've seen this over in many different situations. The first time I recall seeing it was when I was a student minister at uh, First Baptist Church, Yukon. And I had spoken on this subject and who we are in Christ to the, to the young people in the student ministry. And after I had spoken... Uh, one of the uh, deacons of the church was listening in to some of the things that I was teaching the young people. And uh, he confronted me when I left that night. Uh, and he said to me, you know, I don't really appreciate what you're teaching the young people. Hmm. I, mean, I said, you mean I'm teaching them they can be victorious over sin? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, and then he began to uh, tell me why he had a problem with it okay. and he, he began to tell me that he had had an addiction to nicotine for over 30 years that no matter wh what he tried he just could not mm. defeat it and so I said so you're telling me that I shouldn't be teaching the young people that they can be victorious over sin because you've been defeated by sin mm. Well, I won that conversation, you know, <laughs> because I was standing on the truth of God's word. But what grieved my heart for him was he had lived in that particular addiction for so long. He didn't even believe it was possible for him to change. Yeah. And so what kind of leader was he being to other people right. that he was supposed to be leading in the church? Mm -hmm. Well, he wasn't being a good leader. No. So you can't change from being carnally minded to being spiritually minded unless it, you believe that it's possible for you to change. Yeah, and, and so let me say it in a way that hopefully if you're in Christ, you can understand. Hey, do you believe the blood of Jesus has covered all your sins? If you believe that, can I hear amen? Amen. Isn't that the truth? The blood of Jesus has covered all my sins, past, present, future. There's not one held against my record. I stand righteously justified before God, not based on the merit of my own work, but the work of Christ. Amen? Amen. As sure as the blood of Jesus has power to forgive you from your sins, the Holy Spirit has power to transform your life so that you are no longer a carnal Christian, but you are a spiritual Christian. It is the same power. Do you believe that's true? If you believe it's true, say amen. Amen. You, it is possible for you to not be carnal. It is possible for you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you live as a spiritual person, you got to believe that this is true. To change from being carnal to being spiritual, you must believe that it is possible for you to be spiritual. That's the second one. So now here's the third one right here. Well, the third one is you must believe that you are the spiritual man in Christ. Even though you've been living as a carnal person and you now are acknowledging it, 
you've got to come to a point where you accept the truth of God's word and the promises of God's word and you believe by faith that you are the spiritual man mm. in Christ. In other words, to live as a carnal person is actually to be a hypocrite because I'm actually being who I'm not mm -hmm. when I live as a carnal person. For me to be true to who I really am, then I am going to live according to my spiritual identity that is in God's word. And so in his second letter to the Corinthians church, not in this first letter, Paul reminded the church that they were new creations in Christ. Yes. He reminded them that they were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he knew that they were never, ever going to change from being carnal unless they believed in this miracle of regeneration that had occurred in each one of them. They had to believe that they were this temple of the Holy Spirit. They had to believe that they were made new in Christ. They had to believe that Jesus himself dwelt in them before they were going to become spiritually minded people yeah. and began to act like spiritually minded people. They had to believe that the sinful temptations of their flesh were actually contrary to who they were now that they were in Christ. And they had to choose to operate in the spirit instead of allowing the flesh to govern their behavior. Mm -hmm. And so this truth is critical to victory. Most of the time when someone is living a life where they're being defeated by a fle the flesh and fleshly desires, the first problem is not their behavior. Their behavior is a symptom of the deeper problem. The deeper problem is that they do not believe who they are in Christ. What they're believing is that whatever appetites they're having in their flesh is what defines them. That's what they're believing. So they're looking at something like smoking, and they're saying, saying I am a smoker. I can't stop smoking. I'm stuck in smoking. And you could say that about any issue. You could think about the issues in your life and the challenges you've had, whether it be anger or sexual sin or whatever else it might be, words that come out of your mouth, whatever it is that you need a breakthrough in in your life. The first problem is not typically your behavior. That's a symptom of the problem. Exactly. The first problem is your belief system that you believe that what you feel in the flesh is what defines you. And as long as you believe that what you feel in the flesh is what defines you, you're going to act like what you feel because you act like what you believe you are. So if what I feel in the flesh is what defines me, I'm going to act like what I think defines me. And so if it's my flesh, I act like the flesh. To be carnal as a Christian is truly to be someone that you are not. As a Christian, it's hypocritical living. If you understand who you are in Christ, to be carnal as a Christian is to act like the flesh and you are not the flesh. To be carnal as, as a Christian is that to be spiritual is to act like who you are, who God has made you to be. It's a faith problem. It's a belief problem. If you are in Christ, you are not your flesh. Let me say that to you again. If you are in Christ, you are not your flesh. You are not what your flesh desires. You are not what your flesh is longing for. You are not what your flesh is craving. You are not the appetites of the flesh. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. You are the spiritual man. So to change from being carnal to being spiritual means you must claim by faith that you are the spiritual man. I am a new creation in Christ. Christ, and I must believe that that is true. And we're not saying that that's easy to do because this is an act of faith based upon the truth of God's word. 
And if you've been living in carnality in any form, oh. you know, you're naturally in your mind, you're going to be thinking, well, that must be what, who I really am. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, I must be that angry person. Mm -hmm. I must be that lustful person. I must be, you know, that greedy person. That, I must be that resentful person because I've been living like that. When I look in the mirror, that's what I say. Yeah. And so it's difficult, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. By the Spirit of God, you can look in the mirror and go, you know what? That's not who I am. Yeah. That was, that's who I was, mm -hmm. but that's not who I am. And when you make that transition, then everything changes. Yeah. Everything changes once you make this particular transition in your life. And that brings us to the last point, and that is you must give up finding security in any fleshly identity and choose to find your identity completely in Christ. Yeah. See, the Apostle Paul used to find his identity in being a Jew. He was very proud of it, mm -hmm. being a Jew. And that's where he found his identity, mm -hmm. was in being a Jew. And he used to find his identity in being a student at the finest rabbinical school in all of Israel. Mm -hmm. His professor was Gamaliel, of all people, who was the elite. It was like the Harvard. Yeah. Of, you know, and that's where he used to find his identity. He used to find his identity in being a leader among the Pharisees. And he was, by his own admission, a strict adherent to the law of Moses. And that's where he used to find his identity. Mm -hmm. He used to find his identity in being a Roman citizen by birth, not by purchasing it by birth. Very impressive. And so what Paul did, though, after he came to Christ, is that he gave up every fleshly identity for his new identity in Christ. Yeah. And after listing some of his greatest accomplishments in the flesh, this is what Paul had to say about where his true identity was now found once he was in Christ. Philippians 3, verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Mm. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing value, worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends upon faith. So here's Paul. He's looking at his flesh. He's looking at these things that define him in the flesh, his identity in the flesh. And at one point in his life before he came to Christ, this is where he placed his value. This is where he got his self-worth. But when he comes to Christ, he says, this is garbage. This is trash. This is rubbish. That's the word. This, that's what it means. Trash, garbage, rubbish. This is all compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, of who I am in Christ. And so Paul started living his entire life viewing himself very differently than he did before. Instead of viewing himself from his own works and his own identity in his flesh, he viewed himself from the position of God. He looked through the eyes of God to see himself. He saw who he was in Christ, not because of his own merit, because of the work of Christ. And here's the thing, church. If you're going to be delivered from being carnal, you've got to do the same thing. You've got to do the same thing that Paul did. Stop finding your significance and your security in the flesh. Stop finding it in your last name. Some of you really are proud of your last name, your family heritage. Some of you aren't, and you go, oh, it's easy not to find it in my last name. Some of you are very proud of that. Stop finding your significance 
in your last name or in your race, in your nationality, in your own abilities, what you can or cannot do. Don't you know that those are going to pass? Those things aren't going to last forever. Don't find your sense of self-worth and significance in your performance or in your fleshly desires, the appetites of your flesh, or in any other feature of your flesh. You must give up those carnal identities and exchange them for faith in who you are in Christ, what you are because of him. Not these things that you have that are passing away, but what will never pass away because it is always securely yours in Christ. Church, you are not what you feel. You are not what others say about you. You are not the sin choices that you have made. You are not the product of your biology. You are not what your parents did or didn't do for you. You are not how much money you have or, in some of your cases, how much money you don't have. You are not what you have done or what you haven't done. Who are you? Who are you? You are who God says that you are. You are a new creation in Christ. And so if you're in Christ, God says a lot about you. He says, you are his child, first of all. Wow. <laughs> Man, I'm a child of the king. Yeah. You know, I'm a child of the king of kings. Uh, you are his child. You are his, he calls you his masterpiece. Mm. That's what he calls you in his word. You are his friend. Mm-hmm. Wow. A friend who, he's a friend that never leaves you or forsakes mm-hmm. you. You are his choice. (laughs) Wow. Chosen from before the foundation Foundation of the the world. world. You are his choice. You are risen with Christ. You are seated with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are the new man. You are a brand new spiritual creation in Christ. And so before you're ever going to change from carnal to spiritual... This is what you have to believe about yourself, and you got to choose to find your identity in Christ. That's right. And so that's the fourth and and final thing. If you want to move, if you want to change from being carnal to being spiritual, then what you need to do is first confess that you are carnal, and then you need to believe that it's possible to become a spiritual person, and you must believe that you are the spiritual man in Christ, and then finally you must give up finding security in any fleshly identity and choose to find your identity completely in Christ. And I want to share this with you. God has given you this incredible freedom. You can find your identity in any infinite number of places that you want to find it in. You can find your identity in where you work. That's that's a place or or in how much education that you have. You can find your identity in your sexuality. Isn't that a message that we hear all the time right now? Yeah, and the way it's expressed right now is I identify. Mm-hmm. It's the way it's expressed right now. This is the hot word. Yeah. I identify with, and you fill in the blank. Yeah. I identify with being gay. I identify with being transsexual. I believe I identify with being tra- transgender. I identify with and you can just, there's an endless number of things you can put in that blank. What, what people are saying is, this is my identity. Right. It's what they're saying. Yeah. And we're saying, you got to turn away from all of that. Well, it's be- all carnal. Yeah. Because it's all fleshly. What God has done is he's given you the choice of where you can find your identity. But just because you can find your identity in there doesn't mean it's going to bring you satisfaction. 
just because you find your identity there doesn't mean it's going to bring you freedom from shame. It doesn't mean it's going to bring you happiness. In fact, if you find your identity anywhere besides the truth, you're going to find yourself empty and empty and empty. And you're going to peel back another layer and it's going to be empty. And you're going to peel back another layer and it's going to be empty until you've gone through every possible identity and you still haven't found the satisfaction that you're looking for. Because there is only one true identity for you to find yourself in. And that is what God says. And if you are in Christ, we've told you what God says about you. You've got to give up finding your identity in these things that have to do with your flesh. And you have to find your identity in who you are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, you've got to give your life to him. Because that's where the truth is. He made you. He loves you. You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. And for you to be right is going to be for you to align yourself with God. For you to agree. So God gives you the choice. He allows you to decide what are you going to find your identity in, but the satisfaction you're longing for can only be found in aligning your identity with the truth and placing your identity in Christ. So this morning, Sandra and I got up early and went to the cemetery where my late wife, uh, Debbie's buried out on a 119th street. And uh, yesterday, or Sandra went to the cemetery and, in Edmond, where her late husband John is buried and decorated uh, his grave. And <clears throat> so, what I want you to understand using this analogy is the change that has to happen in each one of us spiritually from our past life to our present life and our present condition. I used to identify as Debbie's husband. I don't identify as her husband anymore. The truth is, if I still identified as Debbie's husband, I couldn't identify with Sandra. Mm -hmm. And it would have incredible consequences mm -hmm. on our marriage if I was still identifying as Debbie's husband. I had to give up that identity in order to embrace my identity as Sandra's husband. Mm -hmm. And she had to give up her identity as John's wife into, in order to embrace her identity as my wife. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why we have such a great marriage is because we've both done that. Mm -hmm. We honor the past because it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. It was a great thing. Wonderful children came from our past. But we don't identify that way anymore. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that's exactly what you've got to do with your flesh? Right? You used to identify with your flesh. And man, your flesh will offer you a, a thousand different identities mm -hmm. that you can identify with. Mm -hmm. And you may latch on to this one or latch on to that one. But if you really want to experience the fullness of your life in Christ, you've got to give up hmm. identifying with all of those fleshly identities that gave you a sense of significance at one time. And you've got to die to those, hmm. literally, and reckon yourself dead to them, but alive to who? Jesus Christ. Hmm. And all I can tell you is this, <laughs> the life of Christ 
is better than any identity that you've ever had in the past. Once you embrace this, when you hear the difficult truths of God's word, instead of, you know, going, oh, man, I don't know if I can obey that one. Here's what you will do. I hear that truth. I can do that because Christ is in me and I'm in him. Yeah. You know, I can do that because that's who I am. Mm -hmm. You want me to love my enemy? I can do that because that's who I am. Mm -hmm. In Christ, that's who I am. That's who he's made me to be. You want me to give up that that particular thing that (laughs) I've cherished for so long? I can do that because that's who I am in you. Yeah. When you exercise faith in the promises of God, it releases the power of God. And you can embrace the word of God and mature and grow in your life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to this message. If you're in a carnal condition... And you're willing to agree with God that you're carnal. Would you just acknowledge it right now? That you are in this carnal condition? Maybe you're stuck in it. Maybe you're stuck in anger. Maybe you're stuck in lust. Maybe you're stuck in greed. But the result is carnal conduct. Because of your own affections that you've set your mind on. The things of the flesh. So would you confess it right now unto the Lord, if the Lord's convicted you, if the Holy Spirit's convicted you this morning that you're carnal, would you just confess it unto him? And then would you believe, believe by faith, as you have received the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, you walk in him, would you believe by faith that change really is possible for you? That you're not the exception to the promises of God, that the promises of God are true and amen for you. And so would you right now just say, Lord, I believe I can change. I don't have to be carnal. I don't have to live in carnality. I don't have to live in bondage to sin. I believe your promises are for me. And I reject the lie that they're not. Would you just say that to God right now? And here we go. Here's the big one. No matter what you see in the mirror... No matter what you feel, no matter what you desire in the flesh, will you believe that you are that spiritual man in Christ? Will you believe it this morning? And if you would, would you just tell the Lord, I'm believing right now, your word is true. Not only are my sins forgiven because you satisfied the justice of God that was against me, But you have united your spirit with my spirit. And because you've done that, I am the spiritual man. And I am everything that you say that I am right now. And I believe it by faith. Would you just tell the Lord that right now? That you believe that it's true about you? And now would you give up any fleshly identity that you've been finding your security in? It's a part of your past. 
but it's not going to define who you are moving forward. You're going to find your significance and your security in who God says you are, who Christ is in you, who you are in Christ. That's what's going to make you important from now on. Would you right now just, you may need to do it specifically. Just say, Lord, I'm giving up this fleshly identity. I'm not going to find my security in it anymore in it. I'm not going to do it. Whatever it is, I'm laying it down at the foot of the cross. And I'm embracing, I'm embracing by faith who I am now that I'm in you. I die to that. I die to that. I am dead to that because I died with you. And I've been raised with you to walk in newness of life. Thank you, Jesus. Would you do that right now? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.